Welcome in, everyone. I'm Kyle, he's Derek, and this is the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. A podcast that is roaring up the charts these days, Kyle. We are five episodes in as of today. Our ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we are listed in the top 25,000 youth ministry-related podcasts. Yes. I think. Probably. There's got. There's no way. There's twenty five thousand other well, twenty five thousand other youth ministry podcasts. We're just setting the bar high. That's how we roll. You know, if you, uh, I feel like that's not high at all. That's, no, that's no, I'm being bar. very facetious with that. <laughs> that's about as low as you can set the bar. It's the old philosophy that if you set the bar really low, you're never disappointed. You're always happy. Exactly. It's a loser mentality. <laughs> just so all right. Know. Hey, quick question uh, today coming in from uh, some listener mail from Dan. Uh, good friend of the show, good Dan. Good friend of the show. Great friend of the show, Dan. Uh, Dan wants to know, under what circumstances will you pivot and call an audible in terms of what you're preaching about in a given week? Yes. I get to go first, correct? Bring it on. You're, you're bringing it on to me. What Sweet. do you got, Derek? I just want to make a disclaimer that I advise against this, doing this often, just because I feel like if you are constantly calling an audible and you're constantly pivoting you're really just not giving any form of stability or structure to your team, to yourself. Um, Like it's one of those things where we try to plan long-term intentionally to just hit seasons and that type of thing. However, it does happen. And so the big times I will pivot um, and the times I have just prepared a message and then I come in Wednesday and we're going, we're going a different direction entirely. Almost every time I've done that, it's been because there has been a big event happening in our community or in our world that we need to address. Like sweeping under the rug is not an appropriate solution. And so sometimes it's a tragedy. Sometimes it's a loss. Sometimes it's just a a notable event that by not addressing it, I'm either not caring about it or condoning something that we need to talk about. And so usually it's when a more noteworthy thing happens within our context that I will do that. But um, there are the occasional instances where like you just really feel, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit to go in a completely different direction. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing this for four years and I can only think of maybe three or four times I've done this. It does not happen very often for me personally. Yeah, this is, this is a fun question for me because I'm pivoting this week. Wow. Uh, we are, we are recording this episode uh, a day before it airs on Wednesday, and tonight for our youth ministry, I am preaching a message that I did not originally intend to. Um, I have, so I, I believe I'm about 11 weeks out right now that I that I have at least a you know general yep. understanding of what I'm going to be preaching on. Yep. And last late last week when I was putting together, uh, you know, kind of starting to put together some specifics for what I was going to preach on tonight. Uh, we're going into a series where we're going to be diving into the fruit and the gifts of the of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and I I just really felt as I was putting this together that before we do that, that I first uh, we first do a message and and dive into the Trinity well, and, and kind of how that works and because uh, that that can be confusing and yeah. the Holy Spirit is a big part of that and before we dive into the Holy Spirit, I wanted to I just felt. Hey, we need to back up a little bit and and talk about how the Holy Spirit fits into this picture as a whole. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into you know the the fruit and the gifts of it, uh, the only other time and and that's that's 
you know, it depends on your definition of a pivot because I sure. pivoted that, uh, you know, five days or four days in advance. Yep. Uh, the only other pivot that I can think of off the top of my head was actually uh, the Wednesday night right after the election in mm. 2020. Uh, I just, I felt so uneasy and, and such unrest, not because what I had planned was bad, but because I just felt like God, uh, you know, really wanted to touch on that. And, and yeah. there was so much uh, there, you know, every election season, I feel like we're, we're at the point where there's so much hate and there's so much, uh, distrust and there's so much, uh, th- there's no room for anybody else's opinion. Yeah. And, and as a Christian, that leads to a lot of resentment and it leads to a lot of, if you don't agree with me politically, then I write you off spiritually. Yeah. And that's not helpful at all. I feel like the heart behind why you would pivot is I think something that you and I share is our desire to help students understand that Jesus is not something we put on a shelf for Wednesdays and only address him then. And we're, I think something we are violently striving for is for the students to bring Christ into their everyday life. And so by addressing addressing very relevant things in their current context is in essence showing the students this is how Jesus fits into this right now which again just models our intention of we want you to understand that Jesus is something and somebody that is a part of every single intricate detail of our life it's true and it's <laughs> there there's so much heart i hope behind any youth pastor and and where they're you know the direction that they go with their messages and and hopefully you know planning it out a little bit yeah but at the same time your heart for your students is invariably going to lead to you know a pivot every once in a while yeah where you know like like derek said there's going to be real world uh tragedies or or things that happen that you're going to have to pivot off of and that's okay uh, you know, you don't have to feel like you failed to plan Yep. if, if you need to pivot or anything. Um, but I'm, I'm still there. There's gotta be somebody out there that is creating a list of the greatest things that Derek says throughout this podcast. And, uh, I figured you were violently... come back to that. <laughs> I figured you were come back to that. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. It was violently something. Yeah. Yeah. And that was... That was something, Derek. Thank that you. Was, that was really something. You know what? If if we're gonna talk about reckless love and a furious love, why not a violent love? You know what I'm you saying? Have a violent love for your students, Derek. Hey, you know what? Let's be honest. We've all wanted to just chuck a dodgeball at that kid's face who has been a complete punk. You know this, and is, we love them, but we wanted to... really random. But I had I I coach football with a middle school gym teacher. And he said that he was instructed when he was taking classes. I don't know how you like. Do you go to school to be a gym teacher? I yeah. don't know what classes. Do he you was go taking, to school to be a youth pastor? Sometimes. <laughs> uh, but he he said that he was instructed not to play dodgeball because like it's like yeah uh, gre- breeding grounds for targeting yep. and uh, kids getting hit in the face with dodgeballs. Yeah. And I was like, sometimes that's a good thing. It is. We 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 employ that a lot so we just have to make it look good like we do it, it, it doesn't you gotta make look it look like, like an target. accident yeah, yeah oh exactly. i'm so sorry that hit you in the face kid that 
just will not stop talking and whispering to his friends while yeah. I'm preaching. Yeah, exactly. We love them, but it's a violent <laughs> love. That's exactly where I was going with that. I appreciate you. Do you ever have those moments? I know we're getting so off topic here, um, but do you ever have those moments where you say something and you're like, man, didn't mean to make it sound that way, but you're too deep that you just have to like, commit to it? Yeah, like you know that some kid's going to take it the wrong way. Yep. Or, oh, yeah. And so, yeah. Th- so then you try and work back to it very smoothly, and mm-hmm. then sometimes it's just a big mess. So that's that's where we're at Usually right now. Usually putting down the shovel is <laughs> the best course of action. Which, as as males in the room, we are usually bad at that. We True. T- we tend to just dig ourselves into a bigger rut. But let's, let's, let's get Anyways. away from this question. Um, I want to talk about something today, Kyle, that I am really bad at. I will straight up say I am really bad at this. This topic. episode could go in a lot of different directions. Though. I know it, it's endless what we could go, where we could go with this, but uh, today I want to talk about the art of saying no. Like we're gonna unpack this a lot, but I think it it is so interesting to me when you take a, a, a overall look into American culture. There is an underlying theme of more is better. Like you think about like even like think of food for a second, right? Think of how many food challenges we have of the six pound burrito, the 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 twenty six inch pizza. Like we are we are conditioned like if some is good, then more is better. If we want to be more, we have to do more. If we want to be more effective, we need to seek out more opportunities. If we are to be successful, we gotta commit, work harder, not waver, more, 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 more. And it makes us getting really good at saying yes to everything in our life, every opportunity, everything that comes our way. We're really good at saying yes, but we get really bad at saying no. And I think that it's one of those deals. I would be curious to know if you do this because I do this all the time. If somebody asks me to do something or invites me over to do something, if I have to say no, I almost have to feel in my spirit of like, I need to tell them why I'm saying no. Not just saying no is like it almost seems unacceptable. I need to be like, hey, I would love to, but I can't because X, Y, Z. And I feel like that is something that we just feel so bad for saying no. And I don't know why we feel that way. Yeah, you have to. You, you feel like you have to give that excuse as as to why you cannot do this, that, or the other thing. Uh, you know, when you first said, hey, I want to do this episode on the art of saying no, uh, the first thought that I had was when was the last time somebody asked me to be in a fantasy football league? (laughs) And I said, no, I remember there was one year that I was in like eight, I think because I didn't want to say no to any of them. And it is, you know, if, if I say no to, you know, somebody says, Hey, can, you know, do you and your wife want to come over for dinner on Friday? Like, Oh no, we've got this going on. And you know, I've had a really busy week and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling great. I just want to rest, whatever it is. I've got yard work that I need to do. I really don't like you. Whatever your excuse <laughs> is. <laughs> I Let, wouldn't let's be honest. It's always that one. I wouldn't suggest saying that one, even if it's true. True. Um, but it is, we, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, uh, by saying no. But I think that also goes to, you know, just, we, we as a culture have a hard time saying no. So when we do, we feel like we have to justify it with a reason. Yep. And we we don't want the other person to think that it's personal. Yeah, right. 
Right. And I think that's like why it is so hard to say no is because culturally there is a understanding that everybody is available to everybody. Yep. Like, like we are really bad as a culture, as Americans specifically at like drawing boundaries because there, there seems to be this um, unwritten rule of I'm available to you and you're available to me regardless of our relationship. And so like, it's one of those deals of that can translate into your identity of like, you feel like you need to perform and say yes to all these things, because if you're not, then you're not growing, you're not investing, you're not whatever it is. Like you, you are in essence training yourself to, by me saying, yes, I am doing good things or me saying, no, I'm doing bad things. And that's like, that's an identity crisis for sure. And you inevitably feel like you're failing, like you're letting others down. Like you just mentioned, like by me saying no to Kyle for dinner, he must think I hate him and I don't like him. And now all of a sudden like, we laugh, but like, that's truly, we go down to the extreme of by me just saying no to this one thing, it, it just snowballs into all these bad ramifications. Um, and just really, I think why it, it is so hard to say no is because really we overestimate our abilities and underestimate our limits. We think that we are, we are, we, we assume like we overestimate. I can do this. I can, I can balance this. I can juggle this. I can do all of these things or commit to all of these things, but we underestimate the need to just rest, breathe, slow down. And, and really it's just, we don't protect our heart. You know, like we're really bad at just like saying, you know what, like I can't do this right now because I need a break. Yeah. And I wonder if that is, uh, I, I'd be curious to, you know, I, I want to do a study worldwide. I, I know I have nowhere near the time or the resources to do this. I don't really know how these worldwide studies get done. Right. But looking at saying no in different countries, because the American work culture sucks. Yep. Uh, you know, we if if you work, especially corporately, uh, you know, forty hours in a work week is is almost viewed as as the minimum. Yep. Oftentimes, it's closer to fifty or sixty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of times, especially if if you are salaried, then you know you are looked at as hey, you need to get the job done, no matter how many hours it takes. Right. And and that you know again might lead to fifty or sixty hours, or and, more, and then or more, and then that mentality of work, in in our culture here in America, tends to spill over into uh, other aspects of our lives where, you know, you have to be available all the time. You have to you know have the charm turned on all the time. Yep. Uh, you know, God bless all of the introverts who are who who feel pressured to be available more than they want to be yeah just because our culture kind of looks down on on you saying no i need to just have some time to recharge and rest like you said what i find fascinating is we have some friends who were um, overseas for an extended period of time one of them was more so doing like a study like a semester abroad Another one was actually a missionary overseas. And they both said something along these lines of, if you go out for a cup of coffee, if you just go to a Starbucks in, let's say, France, for example, if you get your coffee to go and start walking away, every single person around you will just stare at you because they know you're American. Because 
in those cultures, if you are so busy that you can't sit down to enjoy a cup of coffee, you're viewed as a workaholic and someone who's disrespectful, straight up. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they talked about how if you want to go for coffee, you need to be able to sit down and relax because over there, that's what's common. That's what's normal. Like, you are, if you're that driven, you can't even do a small thing like that. You are, in essence, a psychopath is how they explained. Like, it wasn't just like a you know, passive aggressive look, it was like they shunned you essentially, which I just found so interesting. And I think where we really lack as Americans, whereas other cultures figure it out, which goes back to biblical principles, this inability to say no really is an indicator that we're living unhealthily. Mm -hmm. Like I look at Moses and I, I, I love this story in Moses. It's been something I've been taking to my team, taking to my youth ministry context because Moses when he was leading the Israelites, he got into this cycle of having to be there for everybody from the big problems that were huge, massive pillars to the small little petty arguments between two people. He felt responsible for being there for them and, and, and doing that. And he got to a point of he got so burnt out that he was just like, I'm done leading these people. I can't do this anymore. God, pick somebody else. And his, his father-in-law, Jethro, that's when he kind of gave him a slap in the butt or, you know, a slap in the face and was like, you need to delegate. You need mm -hmm. to start putting people in place for all these petty things so you can lead the whole group. And Moses, in essence, just couldn't say no. He couldn't say no to handling certain things. And um, I'd be curious to know when you were in Israel, because I know you and I both went to Israel, if you did that one experience where we went to the Jewish village where they like made homemade pita bread. Oh, and, yeah. And we got dressed up. You know that whole yep. thing? I'm pretty sure that my Google profile is still a selfie that I took with the donkey. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. Dude, with all the garb, it was awesome. Um, and what I found interesting over there is, is for those who are not familiar with that, in essence, you go over to Israel and you spend half of a day just learning about Jewish culture. And, and, and its roots and like what they do now. And something that Jewish culture is adamant about is the Sabbath. Yep. They call it Shabbat is what they call it over in Israel because that is the ancient Hebrew word for Sabbath. And But they are like legit about it. Like he talked about how if you forget to turn on your air conditioning the night before Shabbat, yep. you can't exert force or work to go turn it on. Like yep. they're that intense about it. And to me, what spoke to to me about that is just their adamant and, and, and their ability to just stick to we're going to keep the Sabbath, which means we're going to do nothing. Like we are going to say no to everything else so that we can rest and just be there together. And so um, I just thought like those two things going back to biblical things just proves that when you can't say no, you're actually living unhealthily. Yeah. And it's, the the sabbath is is so fascinating to study because i do remember when we were over there uh you know we we were not aiming to observe the sabbath quite as strictly yeah. as uh you know traditional uh jewish families might but you know we there were a lot of things that we didn't do because it was the sabbath and yeah. so it you know it's kind of like if it's a national holiday and you know, you can't go to the bank. You can't, you know, do a lot of things because different buildings are closed. Uh, it was that taken to the nth degree. And I'm going to butcher this, but I know that, you know, there there are some 
uh, Jewish families who, if they are a little bit more affluent, uh, they might hire somebody who, and again, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on this, but I believe it's pronounced a Shabbos Goy, who is basically a non-Jewish person that they hire to do all oh, of sure. the work yeah. on the set. Like they hire them for 24 hours yeah. and they come in and like, oh, hey, we want to light a candle. Hey, uh, you know, helper, can you light this candle for right. us because, yep. because we're not supposed to work? And that feels cheating, like cheating oh, a yeah, little bit totally. to me. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, the whole Sabbath goes back to I need to rest. Yeah. And, and it's a biblical principle God's not putting this in place because he just wants to assert dominance over us. And, yep. hey, I want you to rest on the seventh day just because I think it would be fun yep. for me to watch you struggle to do everyday tasks because you're not allowed to work. Yep. God put this in place because he sees the importance of rest and of yeah. saying no and of taking a breath in his creation. To me, when you see that God himself rested on the seventh day, that an almighty, omnipresent, omnipotent God who can literally do anything found the need to rest on the seventh day. Then it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Like how how and we in our humanness do we think that we are more important or more needed that that we don't need to do that? And so I understand that some people are like, I physically can't take a whole day and that's fine. But to me, I think it just goes back to the root of, okay, why can't you take a Sabbath? It's because you're too committed to everything else. You've said yes to too many other things that you you can't afford to. And so that's where I kind of want to go from here as we unpack this idea of saying no. Because in reality, when you say yes to one thing, you're in essence giving no to something else. Like you're not just When you're not saying no, you're not just saying no. You're saying no to other things that actually matter because you physically don't have the ability to say no to them. Like when you're saying and committing yes to this, by default, you're saying no to something else, mm -hmm. something that may be way more important. At least one thing. Yeah. If not more. Right. And I just think when you get into that cycle, here are some of the dangers of not, of not being able to say no. Um, naturally, you get more burnt out. Like when you are just so saying yes to everything and you're running around your life doing everything you possibly can you get burnt out and if nothing else you get peopled out like i just need to be alone mm -hmm. don't talk to me don't say anything when we get to that point we're not able to receive and give back to people which is the heart of god uh you R lose your yeah go ahead well i was just gonna say i believe you know it's physically with sleep, if if you get a bad night's sleep yep. or, or you don't get enough sleep in a night, it takes two or three good nights of sleep and full nights of sleep yes. in order to make up for that. You know, with with saying no and burnout, it it is not a one to one sum game yep. where, you know, I I went two hours over my limit uh, of being around people and go, go, go. And yep. so now I'm going to rest for an additional two hours and then I'll be back to normal. You know, I, I don't know what the math is, but it's probably closer yeah. to, you know, two to one or three to one where yep. I, I went over two hours. I, I pushed too hard for two weeks. Now in order to really rest, I'm going to have to intentionally rest for six weeks yep. in order to, uh, really get back to that healthy place. Yes, and so I, th I think you're spot on because people who are 
are feeling that burnout. It's it's not a, I can just take a day off and I'm good. Someone who's legit struggling with burnout or being peopled out for that matter, they need a solid span to get back. And so it goes back to when you're saying yes, you're saying no to other things, even if those other things are your personal sanity, your mental health, your ability to rejuvenate and, and do all that. And so when you're not saying no, you're losing a sense of yourself for one. You're losing a sense of your purpose and your ability to be intentional about action or vision. Like if you are so busy and you are so preoccupied doing tasks, I found this to be relevant, especially in youth ministry. You talked about being 11 weeks planned out. If you are so busy doing every other thing, even if it's all good stuff, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not good stuff. Yep. Connecting with students, talking with other pastors, doing whatever it is that you're doing. If you don't have the ability to say no and carve out times for planning, for even just resting and hearing from God, like you're not going to be as purposed, as intentional, as strategic as you need to be to be most effective. And so that really comes down to, I love what we see in first Kings chapter 19, where God, like Elijah is burnt out. He just had a huge victory. He just defeated the, the prophets of Baal. He had a huge spiritual high. But then we see one chapter later, he gets threatened by Jezebel and all of a sudden now he's running for his life. And I think that's because if I were to venture a guess, Elijah was so busy and and just so overwhelmed that he didn't have time to rest that a small little threat all of a sudden throws him off off the edge and so what i love about god is is god talks about he he sends the wind he sends all this crazy stuff but it says in first Kings chapter 19 that god was not in any of that he was in the whisper and so when you can't say no when you can't just carve out some time. You are not allowing God to speak in that gentle whisper. He's already speaking, but we're not listening because we're doing so much other stuff. Yeah, every radio, every music player, every song that you turn on in your life is one more thing that is drowning out. Yeah. You know, the small gentle whisper that God is trying to speak to you yeah. in. And if you you know, then, you know, you think about how many things do I have to turn off in my brain in order to just stop and sit still and listen yeah. to what God has for me. Uh, the, you know, the more that you have and the more they're on, the yep. harder it is for your brain to rest and to turn off. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and with this, this is all about balance, right? So Kyle and I are not saying you need to say no to everything because that's not the right answer either. We're not saying you just need to drive around your car in perpetual silence. Like there are there are seasons for that. There are moments for that. But it's that's what we call there's, it. The, there's some people with kids that are like, I don't know. Yeah. Driving around in my car in perpetual silence sounds pretty good right sounds now. Sounds like a vacation. <laughs> right? I, I I know that is it, so true in my life. And and you know, I think that's why we titled this the art of saying no. Because it is an art. It is something that takes practice. It takes, like, you're going to go one direction and say no to what, too many things, and then you're going to swing back the other direction and, and not say no to enough things. Like, there is no formula of I need to say no to this. I think there are some very good principles that we will unpack here in just a bit, but I think strategically it's important to just highlight some of the things that we as leaders, we as people in ministry, we as parents, we as 
people who love God need to get good at in saying no. And so let, let's highlight the youth pastors here for a second because oh, yeah. there are people in this in this podcast who are youth pastors currently. I know there are some who are currently at North Central and you're, and you're studying to do all these awesome things, and that's great. But this probably goes back to some of the things that they didn't teach us a ton because there, mm-hmm. is, there is no way to teach it without experience and that type of thing. So these are just. This is why that mentorship piece, that ongoing mentorship piece, is so important. Yep, because they can they can call out things that they see from experience that they can pour into. And so, something you know that I have learned very, very, very the the hard way of saying no is saying no to protect your youth ministry culture. Um, There were there was a situation a few years back where there was there were some things happening within my youth ministry, some behaviors, some some things that we were allowing because we were scared to address them because we Mm -hmm. didn't know there there was that gray area of how do we address this? When do we address this? And so we kind of let it slide. And I found out the hard way that by me allowing that and not confronting that by not saying, no, we're not going to go that direction. We're not going to allow that. I was in essence saying, yes, this is okay. Right. By me not saying no, I'm saying yes. It, it goes both ways. And so I found out the hard way is that all of my faithful kids who were there because they understood the culture were saying, this is not the culture I want to be a part of. And, mm-hmm. they, and they were gone. Yep. And that was hard for me. And I go, oh, shoot, I messed up. And so we, we corrected it all is good there. But when it comes to youth ministry, you're going to have so many voices, so many things of saying, this is what you need to do. And this, this goes back to Kyle's point of intentionality. Know who you are, know your culture, know your vision, and protect it. Say no to things that will infringe upon that culture because yeah. it's vital. Yeah, and that's, that's true of parenting as well. I, I love that idea of, you know, silence is, is still an answer, unfortunately, sometimes yes. where if, if you don't say, and, and kids, I don't remember if it was, this is going to be the weirdest quote ever. It was Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or some high level CEO that said that they always give the hardest task to the laziest employee because they'll define the most efficient way to do it. Sure. Kids will always find the most efficient way to do whatever they want. Yep. Uh, they will find the loophole. They will find uh, the workaround. However, they can do what they want to do. If there's a sliver ray of hope uh, in that, if there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, I didn't specifically say that you right. couldn't do this. Right. And and you know that's burdensome. If you, as a youth pastor, as a parent, or or an employer. Are going to you? You can't lay out every single thing that whoever is underneath you can right. and cannot do. Yep, that's just going to feel like prison uh, to that student or to that person. But being willing to set some hard boundaries, yeah. like you said, where as a as a parent, maybe it's you know, hey, you you know, kid, you cannot have your phone in your room. Yep, uh, don't call your kid, 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 <laughs> <laughs> little little Jimmy. Don't have you. You can't have your phone in your room. Yeah. Uh, you know, is that inherently bad? No. Uh, you know, are there were there some things with some of those kids in your youth ministry that you know in a in a in a silo, you know that action might not be bad. You yeah. talking to your friend, and and laughing with them, that's not a bad thing. Yep. The context of doing it very loudly while Pastor Derek is trying to preach, 
that's maybe Not where ideal. we have an issue. <laughs> yep. You're, you're spot on, man. You're spot on. And I think as pastors, especially young pastors, we're afraid of that confrontation. We're afraid to draw those boundaries because yeah. we feel like we're going to ostracize ourselves and become ineffective and with rapport with them. And at least I fell into that trap. And it's one of those understandings of by you establishing those boundaries you are showing love to them because you're saying yep. this is what I think is best for you, even if you don't see it that way. Yeah, and especially the students, like you said, that you know, in in that situation, the students that were there, you know, more so for the right reasons. Yep. And the students that really had a heart to dive in. Yep. You know, you're showing love to them by protecting by them. by protecting them mm-hmm. and protecting the culture and positively reinforcing their behavior and. We need to we need to show love because youth pastors, you understand this. Aspiring youth pastors, you can probably understand this as well. There are going to be kids, at least I hope, that walk through the doors of your youth ministry who are not there for Jesus. Yep, they're there because there's an event because they got invited there, and that's amazing. We need to love them and show them that hey, you belong here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're going to invite them to rise to the bar of like, if you want to come here and just like be cussing people out and you want to be doing a bunch of illegal stuff, like we love you. You're welcome here, but not doing that stuff here. Yep. And they might resist that. They might think you're judging them. They might think you're hating them. But at the same time, our intention, right, is to do what's best for them. Mm-hmm. So if that is something they can look back to on years from now when they go, hey, nobody else loved me enough to call that out in me. Thank you for that. That's what we're aspiring after versus just letting it slide and mm-hmm. saying like, oh, this is no big deal. And so, you know, there, there there's a whole bunch of cultural things that we could dive into. But I think something that we also don't necessarily give proper attention when, when it comes to saying no is who's on your team and who you're allowing to be oh, on your team. Dear. Like that's tough, right? Like that when, when, like when really someone tough. comes to you and says, hey, I want to be a part of your team and you're thinking, no <laughs> like um red flag red flag red flag and and it goes back to that same thing of are you willing to protect the culture of your mm-hmm. youth ministry because if you are saying no odds are it's not because you have a personal vendetta against them it's because there is something in their life there's something about their character there's something about how they interact with people or kids that you're going this won't fit right and this is a situation you know, we're, we're always a fan of having rules and then breaking them. Yep. Uh, you should not always feel that you need to give a qualifier when you say no and yeah. give an excuse when you say no. However, in ministry, if you have a volunteer that goes to four different ministries in your church and says, I want to volunteer, and they all tell them no, and they don't tell them why, that's a problem. Yes. And and you have to and and for me, you know, if I have somebody that comes to me and says, "Hey, I want to volunteer in your youth ministry," I've got a a little bit of a process that I will go through with them. Uh, what does that look like? Because I think it'd be vital for great people to question. understand that. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked, Eric. Uh, so the first thing I do is I say, "Hey, come and sit in on two Wednesday nights." Yep. Uh, you know, you're. I'm not asking you to interact with anybody. Uh, just sit in the back and watch watch us do what we do and and get a feel for who we are uh and then after that i'll meet with them and and say hey you know is is this something you're still interested in after after seeing a couple wednesday nights yep every once in a while you'll get that person that says yeah no this was wasn't what i thought it was i'm out okay cool let's find yep. somebody totally. let's, let's find somewhere else you can volunteer or, yep. or get plugged in or whatever 
Uh, and so if they're still in, I'll walk them through, here's everything about who we are, here's our culture, here's our vision, uh, here's an explanation of some of the like bigger events that we do, and, and I'll talk with them about a, a specific way that they might be able to get plugged in. I'll hear their heart and learn a little bit more about them. And then I have a three or four week uh, almost trial period yep. where I, I specifically tell them, hey, I, you know, let's, let's get you plugged in and let's reconnect in a month yep. and make sure, one, that this is still something that you're interested in and that you want to do. And two, make sure that this is still st- still something that I'm interested in Correct. and that I want to do. Yep. And and setting that expectation for them that hey, after a month, like this is this trial period where you know for this that or the other reason, it might not be the best fit for you to volunteer with our ministry. Yeah. Yep. And that's not because I hate you as a person. It's because either a I see something in you where like, yeah, you could volunteer with us, but I want to point out to you that you could be even more effective volunteering somewhere else Yep. or B there's a red flag that, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you to clean this up a little bit Yep. or, or address this before you volunteer in our youth ministry. Yeah. Because at the end of the day with a youth ministry, you know, you have to be able to protect yes. your students. And, you know, our students are going to come before the feelings of a leader that I'm asking to step down yep. or to not volunteer. You as the shepherd have an obligation to protect the sheep. Yep. Even if the person who is wanting to be a part of it is not a good fit. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so vital that you that you do that. And it, it can be hard to look somebody in the face, especially when they're older than you, especially yep. when they they are someone who is very affluent or someone who has a lot of success. To tell them no can be a very difficult thing. And it can be super, super easy to just let it slide. But you have to understand that as the shepherd, you are over the sheep even if like that leader, you have to consider them a sheep as well. Like right. we're obviously protecting the students first and foremost, but at the same time, like if there's something, if there's a red flag with a leader that a potential leader that's coming in, you're protecting them, but not putting into them a context that they're going to fail in. Like if there's a character red flag, that's only going to be exemplified and bigger by them serving, you're protecting the sheep as the students, but you're also protecting the sheep in the person by not putting them in a situation that they're going to fail in. And so it, it's, it's, it goes back to protecting your culture. Like just leaders fit into that too. And then the last couple of areas I want to highlight was with ministry specifically, delegation, saying no to things that other people can do. This is one that I am really working on right now because it is, there, there are doers, which just do, 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 do everything they can. There are dreamers, which they are stereotypically the person who just sits back and thinks of lofty ideas. Then there's the developer who starts to really develop person people to do that. Mm-hmm. I have understood that everybody's different, but by default, pastors, especially youth pastors, are really good at being doers. They do everything. They do all that they can. And I have found that we're doing a big injustice to ourselves, to our ministry, and to those around us by doing that. Because by us doing everything, we are, in essence, robbing somebody else the opportunity to serve and honor God with what they're doing. And typically, they want to step up. 
you know, yep. you've got as a youth pastor, you got volunteers in your youth ministry that want to step up yep. and do more. And but they're looking for somebody to call that out into them, for yep. them to feel wanted, for them to feel needed. And when we're doing it all ourselves, one, we're taking ourselves away from other things that we can't do and we're burning ourselves out. And so it's so vital that when it comes to saying no, you need to say no to things that other people can be doing. Absolutely. We have an event that we've done uh, two or three times now as a youth ministry. We call it our spring formal. And it's basically uh, prom without the dancing. I don't know. It's sure. like we, we encourage kids, get dressed up. We completely deck out our gym uh, with decorations and everything. And we have a nice meal that we serve. And then we bring in some sort of entertainment act, a, a comedian or a magician or something. And it's just a fun night. There is like, I pray over the meal yeah, at the beginning of the night. And that's pretty much the only time Jesus is mentioned sure. unless the entertainment act, you know, kind of brings it in as a, yep. as a witnessing thing. Um, but it's very, it's an event that's very geared toward, you know, kids just inviting their friends and their friends getting around our group and getting into our building, they might not set foot in a church yep. without this event. And so that's that's one of the big purposes of that. And this past year, our event was hurt by me being more of a doer mm-hmm. and less, you know, not, not being able to delegate mm-hmm. more than I should have. And there were a couple aspects of our event looking back that I can confidently say, yeah, that was not as good as it should have been. That was not up to our standards yep. because I held it yep. with a with a closed fist and I wasn't able to recognize, hey, as this event grows, I need to do less yep. uh, up front and be willing to put people in places where they can succeed and do it better than I could. Yep. And and that hurt our event. And so going forward, you know, when we do that event next spring, that's one of the big things that I need to make sure I do. There are certain things with you as a pastor that only you can do. Like when when somebody comes to your Wednesday night, yes, other people can preach. Other people can say hi. Other people can can do all those things. But at the same time, they're looking for you. They're looking for you to say hi to them, Mm -hmm. to notice them, and to preach to them. So if you are so busy... I think I think of tonight's our big kickoff. We get back to youth after being, you know, not consistently meeting throughout the summer. Like tonight's like a big night for us, a big event for us. If I am so busy all the way up to the event, till the time we start to get into it, setting up stuff, blowing up balloons, doing all those things that other people can be doing, I'm missing out on the opportunity to interact with kids. And I'm the only person who can do that. Other people can blow up balloons. Other people can set mm-hmm. up stuff. They can they can do that. And so I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting students. And I'm hurting that person, like you said, by not allowing them to do it better than I can. Yep. And so like it's there are there are just you need to, I think, as as pastors, as aspiring pastors, sit down strategically and write out what am I currently doing and be very objective. Like what are all the things I'm doing? And then write another list of what are the things only I can do. Yeah. And I would, I would, I would challenge you as I'm challenging myself, all those other things, get them off you, find somebody else who can do them and do them well, because everybody's going to be better for it. And the last thing I think that as we transition over to personal too, but is also relevant to a youth ministry context, 
saying no to things in your schedule. Like it, it goes back to you can't say yes to everything. You can't go to every single game in that week. You can't go to every single district event. You can't do everything that you probably want to do. You just can't do it. It goes back to overestimating your ability and underestimating your limitations. You can't physically do it all and yet still have time to take care of yourself and take care of that time for you to just breathe. And so, you know, as, but this is relevant in our personal lives too, right? Like we, we love to say yes to everything because we're scared of saying no, we're scared of not committing to something. But to me, when you say yes to everything, you're really good at that with piece. Like you're really good. When you say yes to everything, a lot of people might know you and that you might be making a lot of people happy in that moment but you're sacrificing depth for the width by you not taking care of yourself, not prioritizing those relationships, those meetings in your week that are vitally important. You're not giving them the proper depth, intimacy, and just overall effort that they need to. Yeah, I believe the Strengths Finder uh, calls it the woo factor. Uh, you know, if that if that's a strength of yours then that width piece comes very easy to you. Yeah. But that depth piece is something that is a little bit harder to work at mm-hmm. where, you know, recognizing, hey, I need to I need to say yes to fewer things in order to say yes to deeper things. Yeah. Uh, you know, with your schedule, sometimes it's having you know, step one is would being willing to say no to things. And then step two with your schedule is saying yes to uh, saying yes to things before things ask you to say yes to sure. them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, taking charge of your schedule where you're saying, yes, I, I'm going to meet with this person and I'm going to have schedule this time to work on my message. I am going to, uh, schedule this night as date night with my wife. And then if I have a, a meeting that comes up, or if I have, you know, something else that comes up that might not be super time pressing, I can say, hey, I've, I have purposely already said yes to these things. And so I'm going to say no to this or I'm going to push this meeting out a little bit uh, because I want to protect my schedule. And that's important. There are very few things in this world that we can control. There is a lot of stuff that happens in our day, in our week, in our month that we have no control out of that we didn't plan for there are very few things that we can control, but one of the few is our schedule. We are in control of our schedule for the most part. There are there are things that are going to come up naturally, but the people that I find are the most burnt out, the least effective, the ones that have the lowest longevity are the ones who let their schedule control them, not the other way around. It seems like their schedule hits them in the face every time something new pops up. Yes. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen this happen, but like, I know exactly the kind of people that you're talking about. And it always feels like, you know, they are, they are just over their max capacity on things. Yep. And then somebody says something or, you know, somebody reminds them, Hey, you have, you know, we've got this coming this week. And it just, it's like that event just slaps them across the face. Yep. Like, oh my goodness, I forgot about that. Yeah. Now my entire week is in complete disarray because I don't have time for anything. We're so good at budgeting our finances. At least some of us are, some of us are not so good. <laughs> but like we prioritize the importance of like budgeting your finances. But really time is the same thing. Yep. It, it goes back to, some people are so paycheck to paycheck are so tight that like 
the unexpected expense that comes up like is it is what sends them over the top like yeah. like, like they have just enough in their budget to if everything goes right they're golden but when their brakes go out they're toast it's the same way with their time right like if you are so busy doing other things that when because here's the reality on the personal side of things if you're married if you have kids those things alone are prone to have you have medical things you come up you have changes in schedules you have a kid who gets like there's all these things that can radically come up in your life and so if you don't create margin in your life for those unexpected things you need to intentionally carve out i'm going to make sure this gets done before anything else and creating margin in your schedule to allow for those unexpected things that is what's going to allow you to say no because if you if you don't create that and you don't push for that you have no choice but to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you are intentional about saying, I need to do this thing, this thing, and this thing above anything else, it's a lot easier to say, no, I can't do that because I'm doing this instead. I'm sorry. It's a lot easier if you are saying, these are the pillars, these are the things that I cannot waver on. And on establishing those things, protecting those things, and not letting anything else infringe upon them that is what will allow you to help say no to to whatever else comes up. Yeah, and I think that will also allow you to be a little bit more resolute when uh, something comes up where you need to say no to not feel like you have to give a reason why. Yeah. If, If you feel convicted that, yes, this is what I'm saying yes to, and that is above and a higher priority to what I'm saying no to, then you don't feel like you have to justify uh, your nose. And, yeah. and I think that that's a little bit of a, you know, just a personal security thing too. Yep. When, when you're confident in what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to, it allows you to, you know, be a little bit, you're, you're confident in your yeses so you can be confident in your nos. Yep. If you allow your schedule to come to you, if you don't have intentionality with your schedule, then when something comes up that you're going to say no to, you feel like you have to grasp at straws in yep. order to justify right. it. Yeah. And I've, I've never really, I don't Not now I'm going to notice that every yeah. single time somebody does. Right. <laughs> Dude, you're, or when I on. do it. Yeah. Because it happens all the time. Yeah. It's very, very common to do that. And it's, it, I think it just goes back to, we feel like we need to. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's not great. And so the thing that, and we've, we've talked a lot about pastors here, but I, I can't let this episode go on without not addressing this last thing is pastors, aspiring pastors, whether you're youth, children's associate, executive lead, whatever it is, say no to ministry when you need to, like, my pastor, I am so grateful for him because he says, he told me from the moment I got hired, in terms of priority, your relationship with God comes first, your family second, church third. Yep. Do not let those get out of order because if you are saying yes to ministry over your own walk with God, your own family, no amount of effort, no amount of work is going to correct that imbalance that is going to rear its ugly head and it's going to be a mess. You're going to ruin your marriage. You're going to ruin your kids. You're going to ruin your walk with God. And for what? Like our work is important, but not the expense of those other two things. And so 
you might have to say no to ministry commitments. You might even have to work at saying no to the guy you work for, saying, like, I physically don't have time for that. I'm sorry. Is there something else I can do? Get good at saying no to protect the personal things in your life that are important. Because, yes, I am needed and I am important as a youth pastor at the Bridge Church. But there is no other person on this planet who can be a husband to my wife and a father to my kids. Yep. You know, so get good at saying no to the things that are replaceable and yes to the things that are not. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kyle. <laughs> no. Dang it. <laughs> no. That that should be Derek, your new favorite word. Derek, can I have 20 bucks? No. Bummer. It was worth a shot. This See, was look, the wrong we episode. We did it. We're going to do an episode on generosity, and I'll ask you There again, you go. Man. Perfect. We are dumb. Terrifying. We are very dumb. Yes, absolutely. We are. Anything else you want to add? Um, No. I just I want to admit that Kyle looks very handsome today. He Why? Got, he got a fresh haircut. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> I, I like to make you feel uncomfortable, and I know that well that's all the time that we have uh if you want to be like dan good friend of the show good friend of the show great friend of the show dan uh and be featured as a fantastic question asker wow that was awful well yeah (laughs) i don't really care if you want to be like dan good friend of the show good friend of the show and uh be featured on an episode with with your quick question uh, you can email us at hownottobeayouthpastor at gmail.com. We would love, absolutely love, to hear from you guys. Uh, and uh, any feedback that you have, ideas uh, for episodes, questions, anything else that you feel like sharing with us. Or if you are in ministry or you're parenting or uh, you just have a win, uh, yeah. we'd, we'd love to hear from you guys on those as well. And, and, and don't forget about subscribing to, to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, because... They will notify you when our episode drop. We drop every Thursday morning, at least we have thus far. But sometimes, sometimes it's good to just like have that reminder of like, oh yeah, you know, it's coming, and it's it's it gets the content to you asap. Absolutely, that's true. All right, well, hey, it is Wednesday at twelve thirty p.m., so I should probably go start to write my sermon for tonight. Goodbye. Goodbye.